it to all the world to know that, Lord, you love us all. And we thank you, Lord, that it's your will that none should perish. And that you would desire, Lord, for every man, woman, and child to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and to live in Christ. Father, you love us. And we cannot even begin to measure that love. And Father, your greatness, how can we imagine that, Lord, in the palms of your hands you hold the depths of the sea? How can we even begin to imagine that one could call every star by name? And who else, O God, but thee could count the sands upon the sea? And who else, O God, would know the hairs upon our heads? Lord, thy knoweth our hearts, and there's nothing hid from thee. So how great is our God? is far beyond our imaginations. For who hath created worlds but thee? And, O God, only thee alone. And the angels know of your greatness. But one day, Lord, we're going to get a much fuller glimpse of your greatness. But yet, Lord, it will take eternity to understand your greatness far beyond the time that, Lord, we even begin to spend eternity with you. But we will begin to know you better than what we know you at this present time. And we're so thankful, O God, that we have a sure hope that one day, O God, we're going to be with you and we're going to see you face to face. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us the faith to believe in you because, Lord, you said you've given unto every man a measure of faith. And, Lord, we're so thankful that we were able to exercise that faith. And now, Lord, we are a people who are growing in faith. And, Lord, we thank you. May you minister to us this morning. May you challenge our hearts. Because, Lord, you truly do know the heart of each and every man and woman and child. But Lord, minister to us, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let me start off by saying thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your labor of love. Thank you for ministering to the Brown family. Thank you for hosting the district meeting here because we had the district meeting Friday morning at 9 to 11.30. Then we transitioned from the district meeting to the wake. And um, we're so thankful in one way Lord controlled the crowds because the people that were here on Thursday night, a lot of them did not come back on Saturday. And if they would have, we wouldn't have had space for them. Uh, and I thank the trustees from putting extra chairs out as people came in. You were just marvelous. People um, congratulated us about the meal and your mannerism and your kindness and your graciousness. And I can't 
say enough. Thank you to each and every one of you that participated and even those of you who prayed for us. I had people calling on the phone just saying, Pastor Brown, we're praying for you. And I appreciate that, that you were praying. It is prayer that sometimes see us through, isn't it? It's not everything else. It's prayer. And um, the Lord, uh, I, I, I told my family, uh, a couple of them, I said, now, Friday night was Rich's night. When they gave testimony of him and what they meant to him and so forth. But I said, now, Saturday is God's time. Uh, uh, Richard had his time. God will have his time. And uh, we just praise God for just ministering. And we're so, so thankful for those who participated in so many different ways. Praise team, souls, everyone. Thank you. Now into the message. Boy, the heart of Judas. Sometimes we just throw Judas out there in the wind. And we very quickly name him as the son of prediction. But we need to really take a good look at Judas. Because Judas somewhat mirrors each and every one of us. In what area does he mirror us? What area does he reveal himself as you and I? Is his struggle. Is his struggle. Judas struggled in his heart. Judas struggled in what he would believe. Judas struggled in taking what he had heard, what he had experienced with Jesus. Judas is struggling. Now, understand, we're in that struggle also. Because it's about the heart. It's about loving the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you know the only way that things have happened in your life is that Jesus Christ interceded. You know that. But you're struggling whether to believe him or not. You're struggling whether if you're going to surrender your total life to him. You're struggling, and hear me well on this. If he's the God that you expected him to be, is Jesus the God that you were looking for, that you were expecting him to be? Is he acting in a way that you want him to act? Is he doing the things that you want him to do? If I could somewhat really describe the scene that here comes Judas with the soldiers to point out Jesus. I would also add a little area into that portrayal that says Judas is trying to make Jesus act. 
to show forth his messiahship. To prove who he is. He's going to force him to act. Sometime you and I get in that same position. We're going to somewhat make God act. We're going to force him to do it. And if he doesn't do it, it shakes our what? Yes. It shakes our faith. Judas is a mysterious person. And it's hard to explain Judas. But what was it that caused Judas to lose heart in Jesus? What is it that would cause you to lose heart with Jesus? What is it? See, all the way up to the Last Supper that Jesus was having, Judas was going through the same things that you and I go through. The temptations of Satan, the trials of Satan that he puts before us. It did not come about that Satan entered his heart until they're at the end part or in the middle of that supper that the scripture says Satan entered his heart. But all the time before then, Judas is struggling, trying to make decisions about this Jesus in the same manner sometime you and I do. I want you to take note of this. Being a good Jew, most likely, Judas had an expectation of what this Messiah might look like. That he may have bought in to part of the teaching that there would become a Messiah who would come forth and raise up Israel once again to be a powerful nation. Judas had been drawn to Jesus because of his view of the Jewish Messiah. And he believed in Jesus as such. Many of you may have been drawn to Jesus because of the stories of a grandmother, of a mother, of a grandfather, of your parents. You've been drawn to Jesus through stories. But have you ever searched him out for yourself in the scripture? Have you got to know the Jesus of the Bible? Have you experienced him for yourself? Not just the stories of someone else, but the real desire in your own heart to know him for who he is.
not what somebody else have told you about him, but to really know him. Expecting Jesus to be the successful and Jewish Messiah that he expected personally and Judas himself would share in the victories of the Messiah. Boy, that could have been a picture in Judas's heart that if Jesus would truly be the Messiah and I'm his treasurer and I'm somebody important in his group, where would that place me? What power or authority would that give me? And that whole concept of lifting up self in a sense or being in a position of power or authority or that whole concept that I'm on the winning team in a sense and I'm going to be somebody because of who I'm with. In John 6.15, turn there with me. Because I, might, I think Scripture shows us that process of disappointment. And in our lives, there are those moments that you may find yourself disappointed with the God that you serve. How do I know that? Watch the lives of people when they get angry with God. They start missing church. Watch people who begin to put the Bible down. They start breaking away from the relationship and drifting away from the relationship that they have with Jesus Christ. Now you cannot deny that Judas is in a relationship with Jesus. There's a reality about that relationship. He was called just like the other twelve. He was with them for two years or more. So there is some type of relationship. But what is it that draws him away? What is it that causes him to betray? What is that? And that's a danger for every one of us. The Lord says the only one who knows the heart is who? Is God. His command for us is to keep our heart. Search our hearts. And guard our hearts. And we need to be able to guard our hearts. Why? Because Satan is able to sneak in and draw us what? Even though we think, oh no, that would never happen to me. He says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because Satan will dangle something in front of you that you may say to yourself, just this one time. And that one time becomes a habit. 
and you're not even watching yourself, that you're drifting away from who? From Jesus. From Jesus. Those moments of disappointment, of God not acting the way you want Him to act, or do what you want Him to do, can be dangerous moments for you. Because you'll wind up saying, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, but He did nothing. And the anger can set in. And because God does something that doesn't please you, or you don't quite understand it right now, you get angry with him and start to withdraw. So in John six fifteen, he simply says it in this manner. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him a king, Jesus knowing for what he has done and what the people had witnessed that their desire was to make him a king. Now, if you really want to be somebody, Jesus, if you want to really overthrow, this is the time to do it. Why? They want to make you a king. But Judas didn't understand he was already a king. But Judas didn't understand or see he already ruled over a kingdom. But some of our focus about our God is just right here rather than being out here. We just sung how great our God is, but for some of us, our God is only this great. And for others... Our God is this great. And the people said, come, we're going to make you a king. You're going to rule over us. Well, you're not going to have this king and the king of the Romans or the emperor of the Romans. They're both not going to rule. And this is the opportunity, a great opportunity to raise up an army and get rid of these oppressors, to remove these Roman soldiers. This is a great opportunity. And what does Jesus do? He walks away from it. At that moment, Judas may have been highly disappointed with Jesus because this was the opportunity to show forth his what his messiahship his authority and what he could do and he got the crowd behind him sometime it's not about having the crowd behind you it's about doing god's will secondly when the pharisees and the sadducees Challenge Jesus. Show us a sign. Prove to us that you are the Messiah. Show forth your authority. Bring down a sign from heaven. And we'll believe. Do this. And we'll believe. And this would seal Jesus' claim as the Messiah. If he would only do some type of sign and has been 
asked of him, show us a sign. Go to Matthew 16, 1. Here's Judas again. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. Now, understanding the Pharisees and Sadducees and many others, lawyers, they had already seen Jesus heal blind people. They've already seen him heal the withered hand of a man. They've already seen him tell a man to get up and walk and take his bed. So they're not asking for something to be done where at? On the earthly. (laughs) Bring us something from heaven. Do something that comes from heaven. Not this earthly stuff. But show us a sign from heaven. And we'll believe. And Jesus again, in a sense, backs away from that. Of showing a sign from heaven. He has asked the same thing in Luke and in Mark also. Show us a sign from heaven. And when he backs away from that, Judas becomes disenchanted even a little bit more. Because most likely this Messiah that he had imagined in his own heart and mind is not really coming about, not taking place. And gradually disenchantment grew in Judas's heart. And he's struggling. What do we believe? What do we believe? And I believe today a lot of disenchantment is growing in Christians' hearts because they're not seeing signs and wonders. They're, 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 they're not seeing the God that they want to see and believe in. And that disenchantment can Settle in. His confidence in Jesus may have been terribly shaken, especially when he heard about John the Baptist being what? Beheaded. Now, understand, most of these folks or his apostles would have understood This is Jesus' what? Cousin. And if he has the power to stop John from being beheaded, and that's his cousin, what am I? What am I? If he will not stop his own cousin from losing his life or being beheaded, who am I? And that may have shaken Judas to his core. That Jesus could care less in one sense about his life.
Jesus would not meet the public challenges of the Pharisees or the Sadducees or even Judas. And let me share something with you. He won't meet your public challenges either. Jesus is not a puppet to be used. He is not someone you magically tell him to do something and he will do it to save face with you. When God acts, God acts for his own glory. God acts to further his own name and his program, not ours. Not ours. He acts to glorify himself, not you or me, but himself. Two things that Judas, that Judas lacks that comes true as you really look at Judas's life. And as you look at your own life, and as I look at my life, the question has to be asked. Do I really have faith in him? And secondly, do I really love him? Those two things. Do I have faith in him? And do I really love him? What is it that God has to do to prove to you that he is? Let me share something with you. When God called Abraham from his home, he didn't show Abraham no great magical tricks. Abraham believed and he obeyed. Catch that formula. Believe and then obey. My faith gives me the ability to believe my God. And when I believe my God, I obey Him. That faith gives me the ability to believe Him without Him having to give any type of signs for me to be obedient unto Him. And he lacked that ability of having faith and true love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith to to believe what he had been taught. What would it be like to sit at the feet of Jesus and be taught by him? What would it be like And if he was here today, how many of us would really gather at his feet to be taught of him? And how many of us, though we have his word, neglect his word? How many of us throw ourselves into his word to search his word, to see the pictures that he paints through stories? And to tell us of the lives of others. 
Judas is one of these lives that I think he paints for us. He allows us to see because the question is, if he really knew Judas's heart, why would he ever appoint Judas to be what? An apostle. And that whole process is that God allows us, as he watches us make decisions, whether we will walk in his victory, if we will walk in obedience to him, those are choices that we have to make, and Judas had to make those same choices. Faith to believe what he had been taught and what he had heard and what he had already experienced. Judas' life, in one, instant, in one instance, really brings this truth out. Just because you experience it does not mean you will believe it. Just because you've been taught doesn't mean that you will believe it. Just because you've seen it doesn't mean that you will truly believe it. It is a work that has to take place from above in the heart as Jesus said unto Nicodemus to be born again is from above. It is not by signs and wonders and all these other gadgets. It is by a personal relationship of knowledge that God himself has given unto you. As he said unto Peter, Peter, this could only come from God. When Peter said, Thou art the Son of God. He said, You did not receive that from man, but it comes from where? And there becomes that personal revelation of God into our own personal life. And we have to choose. We have to choose. A love for the person of Jesus through the relationship, which cannot be denied. Judas hung out with Jesus at least two years or more. There was that personal relationship that he had with him. There's no doubt that Judas touched him. Judas broke bread with him. Judas Judas traveled with him. Judas did ministry with him. But watch this. It did not affect the heart. It did not affect the heart. And a lot of people can do a lot of things in ministry. But it has nothing to really do with what? The heart. We do ministry sometimes for self-exaltation. We do ministry sometimes just to be seen. We do ministry sometimes to be applauded by people. But see, ministry, true ministry is not ministry until it flows from the heart. In obedience to God. At some point, Judas began to see Jesus differently than the other apostles. At some point, 
he began to see Jesus differently. Go to 1 John 2.19. He says, they went out from us. Now catch this. Because, see, this is the agreement of the believers. This is how people even recognize true believers. He said, they went out from among us because they were not of us. They were not of us. Watch the real heart of people. And you cannot make people fall in love with Jesus. You can't make people be obedient to Jesus. You can't make people to endear Jesus and love him. You can't make that happen. That is something between the person and the spirit. And he said, they went out from us because they were not of us. They were not of the same like-mindedness. They were not of the same love. They were not of the same mission to glorify Jesus. And he said, they went out from us. And in the midst of the twelve, there was one who did not have the same heart desire as the other eleven. As the other eleven. Judas has this ongoing struggle with his heart between belief and unbelief. And it is a struggle. With this, Jesus could only watch. Because God does not make us puppets. God just doesn't force us to do His will. God doesn't force us to be obedient to Him. He's not going to make us love Him. He will give us the love to love him with because we can't love God with this fleshly love. But he will give us a love, an agape love that goes far beyond the fleshly love. He'll give us a love to love him with if we ask him and desire it and really want to love him. He gives us the love. And he adds to our faith if we truly want to trust him. He gives us more faith to trust him and to obey him if we truly want to do that. Or we just exercise our own little free will and do it the best we can. And there comes the thing, I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can. You just told me you haven't surrendered to who? Because when you surrender that to God, he gives you everything you have need of. He'll give you everything you have need of. Even the love to love him with. And the faith to walk with him and believe him. Judas is struggling. He was just born to be the traitor 
No. I don't think he was just born to be the traitor. If that be the case, Judas has no choice to do what he did. To make Judas a puppet and make him do that, if we find in math just one error, then the whole problem is wrong. If God took away Judas's free will to choose, then God becomes responsible for the traitor and the acts of the traitor. And therefore, he has to exonerate Judas at some point because all blame really falls on God, not on Judas. Now, follow with me closely on this. Jesus being God, and yet knowing all things, knows the beginning and end of every person. He knows your heart. But he allows you to discover your heart. He allows you to discover if you really say you love him, he's already put it in his word how you can prove to yourself if you really love him because he says if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He allows you then to see if you really do love him by keeping his word and his commandments. And if you don't, what you're showing from your own life is that you really don't love him. Yes, your mouth says, I love you. But your heart is where? Far from him. And he allows you to see your own self. What you're saying with your mouth, but yet your actions are saying you don't love him. You don't love him. You don't love him. Nobody has to tell you how much you love the Lord. For the Lord in his word says, some loveth what? Little. And others loveth what? Much. Are you one that loveth much? Are you one who loveth little? You have to gauge that. You have to see it. You have to know what is your love for the Lord. Do you really appreciate him? For going to the cross and dying for you. Do you really love him for doing that? Well, he did it. I know he didn't have to do it, but he did it. It's like children growing up who don't appreciate a mom and a dad who makes the sacrifice for them to be clothed, to be fed, to be sheltered, to be educated. I didn't ask to come here. I didn't ask for you either. (laughs) And we somehow have that attitude towards God that we don't show a deep appreciation and a deep love because he's just God. No. God has feelings also. And he wants us to appreciate what he does on our behalf. 
And he wants the love that he shows us to be returned to him. He wants that love to be returned. And, and we need to recognize that. From God's point, because he is God, he knows all things and he knows the hearts of men. He knew the heart of Judas, but he has to give Judas the same opportunity, the same chances that he is giving the others. Or he would be an unjust, unfair God. Go with me to John chapter 2, 24 to 25. Listen to what he says. But I want you to also take a good look at what he says about the rest of us too. Why? Because he knows our hearts. He says in verse 24, he says, But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew who? All men. He knew his apostles, he knew his disciples. In, in all of his knowledge and knowing, he knew there was going to be a great group of his disciples that would no longer what? Walk with him. He knew that. that. That wasn't something of a surprise and a shock. But neither did he address it. I already know a lot of y'all are not going to follow me. He allowed them to make their what? Their own decision. Their own decision whether to follow him or not. It was their decision. And he says, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows the very intent of our hearts. He knows the motive for which we do what we do. He knows The other day in my prayer time, leading up to this thing, I said, Lord, get Gus Brown out of this. Get me out of your way. This is not a show-off time. And just a prayer about me not hindering anything he wanted to do. And sometimes we have to really pray that way. Because we want to exalt what? Self. We want to see self as being somebody. And not that process of learning to die to what? To the self. That we can truly say what Paul says. For me to live is Christ and yet to die is gain. And that's a lesson that all Christians have to yet learn. That I'm here living for Christ and Him alone. I'm not even living for me or the enjoyments of my own life. And that's not saying God forbid that that God is saying, no, you can't enjoy anything. Or we'll all be like John the Baptist out in the wilderness with some camel hair on. God is not against us enjoying life, but enjoying life in the abundance of life that he gives. 
Not what we're trying to make for ourselves. The other night, we were watching this movie, and it's one of these preacher things or whatever, where, boy, when they ride up, you got this great big old house, and got all the servants and all this other stuff. That is not the reality of church life. That's not the reality of a servant of the Lord. But God knew all the hearts of men. Judas was given every opportunity to be true to Jesus as the other apostles. How do I know that? Scripture tells us. Was not Judas empowered along with the other apostles to teach, to heal, and to cast out demons? He had the same authority, the same power, the same teaching, the same relationship in a sense that the others had. But it's a heart issue. Isn't it strange? Some people can sit under the same teaching, the same thing, but something is different. Some people can eat the same meal and they'll say, oh, it wasn't good. And other people will say what? Man, it's the best meal I've ever had. He had the same opportunities that the other 11 had to really love and serve the Lord, to trust Him, to believe in Him. The same opportunities. And Judas was chosen to learn and to act for Jesus. Not to act for himself. Not to benefit himself. Not to glorify himself. Not to desire more for himself. One thing that Christians ought to really understand, every good and perfect gift cometh from where? From above. And when those gifts come from above, and understanding when God opens the door, and John even says, when God wants to give you something, nobody can stop it. That we learn to live a life dependent upon God. Not on what I'm doing for myself. And that's a hard one. That's a hard one. When I worked at Chrysler, even my good friend Roger would ridicule me sometime. And I turned down Sunday. You don't want to turn down Sunday, do you, Roger? That's a double time day. (laughs) Yeah, that's big money. (laughs) And, And yet... I had a responsibility to teach a Sunday school class. Now I have to weigh that. What's more important? Earning this extra money for me and my family? God had already given us enough through the five days. And then I would work a Saturday, which you only get paid time and a half. And the guys would call me, you work for time and a half, but you won't work for double time. That's just foolish. And I would give somebody else that Sunday, whoever wanted it, 
And I go teach my Sunday school class. And guess what? We've never lacked for anything. And, and God always provided. But I had to learn to let this go. To do what God wanted me to do. In teaching a Sunday school class to some junior high school kids. Now I could have said, it don't matter, they just kids. It became a responsibility of serving the Lord. And God had already provided for my needs through the first five or six days. But I had to learn to let money go. Catch this little trick. To gain money. I had to learn to let it go in order to gain. And sometimes we think the only way we're going to gain it, if we're out here really hitting the bricks and doing No, you gain when you serve Christ. Because God is not a debtor to any man. And he'll pay you more than what the world could ever pay you. But Judas decided to do some other things. Go to John 12, 4 through 6. John 12, 4 through 6. And understand something. You can be in a good company. And you can be making great money. But your greed wants something else. How many of you have heard about the guy, the fireman, who was the treasurer, but he stole over a hundred and something thousand dollars, tried to take off, they're extraditing him back to Akron now to stand trial? I mean, making a good salary, but still more. How often do we hear it? Where the treasure at? Take note. Treasure of the church. But he's doing what? Stealing from the church. That's a choice. This is one of the lifestyles that Judas got caught up in. Start with me at verse 4 in John 12. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now catch what the Holy Spirit gives us insight to. He did not say this because he cared about the poor. How many times do we as Christians say things, but that's not what we really care about? He didn't care about the poor. So even in his statement here, he's lying, but he's also being deceptive. Oh, this shouldn't have been wasted this way. We could have bought food for the poor, and we could have clothed the poor, and we could help house the poor. And in reality, that's not my real concern. 
He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a what? Yeah. That becomes a lifestyle. And it may have been hid from the other 11. Because they seen him as somebody important because he's the treasurer. He's trustworthy. And yet, his life is one of a thief. He didn't matter how he gains it as long as he could put it in his pocket. I want you to hang on to that. Because, see, how many of you heard about the parents who were offering their child for $3,000 on the Internet? And they sold it to a police officer and they were arrested. It was their greed. It was their heart. And here it comes again now. When he sells Jesus... It's his greed. It's his heart. It's his what? His own choice. Now, how many times do you sell Jesus out? Do you sell Jesus for a dollar, for ten dollars? Do you sell Jesus and betray him for something of this world? Do you betray him for fame? Do you betray him to uplift yourself and to exalt yourself? Do you betray him for a little bit of extra? Do you betray him that you can be somebody among your friends? Betrayal comes in many different forms. And God's people, we have to learn something anew. And it's simply this. Being true to Jesus. Being true to Jesus. At all times. At all times. Will we falter at that? Yes. But I need to get up and go again. With a true heart. With a pure heart. With a clean heart. For Jesus. That is not about me. But Judas had made his life as a life of a thief. And he was stealing. And 1 Timothy 6.16, but for the love of money is the root of what? All type of evil and wrong. Then John 13.27 Get there. As soon as Judas took the bread and they're all there at the table. I'm so interested in this. I, I, I tried to look up the type of table that they may have been sitting at because sometimes we just think it's a round table or just a square table, and most will show it as a U-type table. And that Jesus is on one in the center, Judas is on one side, John is on the other. 
Peter may have been at the other end or across the table and some of the others. So they didn't hear, really, what was being said between Jesus and Judas. And it says at that point, a certain point, during this Last Supper, that the scripture tells us Satan entered into Judas. That's when Judas allows demonic influence or Satan to really take over his life. Prior to that, is all Judas making what? Wrong decisions based on who? For Judas. And then when Satan enters into him, Jesus leans over to him and says, What you do, go and do quickly. Go and do quickly. What does that lead us to? Simply this. Judas reveals one can be knowledgeable of Jesus, associate with other believers, be in the church and in the service for Jesus, and not have Jesus in their heart as Savior and Lord. You're the only one who can really search your heart and know if Jesus is really Lord of your life and that you're really saved. You can act like an apostle. You can act like a Christian. You can sit and hear the same thing that other people hear. You can even experience some of the things that other people experience. But if the love of Jesus is not here, you are deceiving your own heart. If you really don't love Jesus here, you're deceiving your own heart. You, in a sense, are a Judas. And at some point, Satan is going to enter in and you're going to walk away. He lacked faith. He lacked love. He was deceptive, not only to his friends and thinking he was deceiving. And how many of us think we're deceiving God or tricking God? God knows our hearts. And he's trying to reveal to us our own hearts and our action. Understand this. It is not easy to be obedient to Jesus. Because he asks some hard and difficult things of us. 
But when we will to do, because he said, if there's a willing heart, it's acceptable unto him. When you're willing to do it, he will empower you. empower you to do it. And what was lacking in Judas was the willingness to be an obedient servant to the Lord Jesus Christ. Did Peter have his faults? Yes. But yet he had a heart for who? Jesus. Measure those two. Both of them had their faults. What was the difference between a Judas and a Peter was the heart and the love for Christ. And when you really don't love him, you give Satan the opportunity to step in. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, may you search each and every